A good Monday morning to you. What do we even focus on out of the gates? I mean, it's February 29th, which is unusual, obviously. Kind of fun. We'll take a bit of a look at the significance of February 29th. If there is any, we'll ask you your thoughts on it. As a matter of fact, consider that the first floater out there. The the, the first uh, line has been cast. Be in touch with us on the text line to 630-630. Is February 29th significant to you in any way? Were you born on February 29th? Were you married on February 29th? Are you like the CEO of a company that is technically 11? Are you 11 years old calling the shots? Do you think old school and sticking to that old schoolness? Many moons ago, did you, a woman, propose to your love, a man, using the clause available on February 29th? You're going, what? Yeah, we'll get into that in just a little bit. Of course, the Oscars last night, maybe we'll touch on that. We won't spend too much time there. We mentioned to you we're going to talk to Heather, who's an Edmonton woman. She got a DUI. Not asking anybody to feel sorry for her, but she's trying to move on with her life, and part of that is using that smart start device on her car. She says, yeah, it's expensive to put in, and I'm trying to make my way through life now, but this device just won't work. Heather has to have her car towed all the time in the first couple of weeks of using this thing, but she doesn't have a choice. The government's partnered with this company. We'll get into the details there in the 10 o'clock hour. Justin Trudeau wants to give Canadians, Canadian citizenship back to uh, men who are either suspected or convicted terrorists. We'll talk to Dr. Michael Zakulin about that. We'll jump into the mailbag, but we'll kick off the show today by noting it is indeed NHL trade deadline day. Will your Edmonton Oilers be active? We'll have to see. Last night, by the way, on home ice, a huge win, 3-1 over the visiting New York Islanders. McDavid to Everly, dishes off, one-timer rip, score! Davidson buries it from the top of the right circle. And three unanswered third period goals for the Edmonton Oilers, who now lead by a deuce. A goal for the former Regina Pat, one of three scored by the Edmonton Oilers. And I doubt the goal had anything to do with the two-year deal announced by the team today. Uh, two years, a total of about, uh, what is it, Reed Wilkins? Just shy of $3 million bucks uh, for number 88. Four two five million per season. So, yeah, just under 2.9, I guess. They so. call these the bridge deals, right? Well, yeah, and he's still going to be an RFA when it expires. So, Good yeah, timing. Great. Gives yeah. the team time to evaluate. Uh, Morley Scott joining us as well. Uh, all hands on deck with the 630 Ched sports team today. And, Reed, you'll be uh, – Morley, you, you, correct, you said the quarterback – you said quarterbacking is a football term on the power play, of course. There it's you permissible go. in hockey. So, Reed, you'll be, <laughs> you'll right. be quarterbacking our 630 Ched trade deadline day power play today. Uh, Brandon Davidson, he's, he's – had a bit of a coming out party this year and when the Oilers have needed help on the blue line he's been there uh, 1.425 a year sounds like a pretty good deal for me well he's an incredible for me it's a great deal for me but <laughs> to me it sounds like a good deal for him yeah well I'm sure he's happy with it too I mean, I mean he's he's an incredible story sixth round draft pick uh, you know uh, had uh, testicular cancer a couple of years ago so that you know kept them off the ice for a while and a guy who's always worked very hard, and you, you notice when you talk to him his his attitude, his his desire to learn, his desire to be you know quote unquote a good teammate, which is thrown around a lot. But you see him out on the ice, willing to play physical, stand up for other guys. 
has a pretty good shot. We haven't seen a lot of it, but I but I think it's there. We saw it last night. He, he fired one home earlier in the season against Calgary. So he, this is a guy. At the start of the season, you ask your you ask yourself where will Brandon Davidson fit into the Oilers' defense. Now you ask yourself where would the Oilers' defense be without Brandon Davidson this season? I, I mean, the opportunity's there. Somewhat because of injury, sure. Clefbaum hasn't played for over half the season. You know, Gribe has been hurt. But, so Davidson, the door was open, and he smashed it down. I, I, I mean, just came in. He's played over 20 minutes a game, almost every game since the All-Star break. Over the last three games, he and Talbot have been the two best Oilers. Of all the players uh, that have been, you know, seen their names swirling around in trade rumors, we've already seen Anders Nielsen, Teddy Purcell, and Justin Schultz uh, moved to other clubs. There are still some rumblings that maybe Eric Griba could be on the move. Maybe even nail Yakupov, but it looks like Benoit Pouliot's pulled up hurt as of last night. Does that mean that Yakupov's safe for the rest of this season? They could use him in the top six. Yeah, I... I, I still think it would have been unlikely Yakupov would have been traded even without Pouliot being hurt. I, I just don't know if there was a lot potentially coming back for Yakupov. I, I mean, I guess we'll see in the next four hours. But if if he's gonna if if Shirley wants to trade Yakupov, but he's getting a very middling or substandard return. Then why not just wait? Why more than what he's in a position now. Shirelli's in a position now. He's trading from strength because he doesn't need anything. He doesn't need that extra defenseman or extra forward to get them over the hump and into a playoff spot or for the playoff drive. So don't make a trade that's not a, that you don't know is a good one. I mean, Shirelli's in the position now where if it doesn't knock his socks off for Yakupov, why trade him? Because his value will increase in the off season because there's going to be some general manager, some team out there, and says, "Yeah, we can fix him." Uh, we can we can make him work. We can make him be a better player in our system. Maybe maybe our coach likes him or one of our scouts likes him, and and they think that they can do something with him, and that will put his value up at some point. Right now, his value is not where it is, where it should be and where it can be. So clearly, wait for the summer. Same thing with the you know. There's lots of talk about those the big name players, the core group of players. None of them are getting very moved rarely today, get right? traded. I mean, during yeah. the season, right? Yeah. All, that's that's draft time, though. Crazier things have happened. Unless you never know. Oh, somebody sure. says, you know, here you go. Sure, we'll and, give and you Evgeny Malkin deal. for and, and whatever. A lot of times okay, those deal. trades. Those trades are between teams. Both teams missing the playoffs, and they're thinking, well, I got to retool. You got to retool. Let's work this out. And but that rarely happens. I don't expect it to happen. This All right, week. the deadline is 1 p.m. our time today, and I know you guys are on it. Uh, we're going to get back to our let's call it our regularly scheduled programming. But as you know, the, know the door to my studio, uh, an unusual development. Anytime you two are in the office today, I'm going to leave the bolt unlocked. Oh, thanks. For so you can That's you great. can actually access the studio. Uh, we'll look to so hear from we you use both. It like a lot because we're going through your desk while you're on yeah. the air in most days. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I you know get the I, hell out of here, you two. All right, your you've got work beans. to do, that don't was you? Me that ate all the jelly. I know exactly who it was that ate all the jelly beans on my desk. Reed Wilkins, Morley Scott, thanks for your time. As mentioned, Reed will be quarterbacking our 630 Ched trade deadline day coverage, which starts comprehensively and exclusively here at 11 a.m. We'll fit in a quick break when we come back. The University of Calgary's terrorism expert, Mike, Dr. Michael Zakulin, on Justin Trudeau's plan to give Canadian citizenship back to some, well, some of those that have seen themselves lose it under Harper policy. Details coming right up. 
You may remember legislation last year that uh, allowed Canadians under the supervision, let's call it the leadership rather, of former Prime Minister Stephen Harper, Canadians who held dual nationalities uh, to be stripped of their Canadian citizenship if they were found guilty of terrorism, treason, or spying offenses. But then on the campaign trail, I I probably don't have to tell you because we talked about it on this show again and again and again, then Liberal leader Justin Trudeau reiterated his perspective that a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. The Liberals campaigned on a promise to, to revoke Harper's measures, and now they're making good on that pledge. When the House of Commons began sitting just a few days ago on Thursday, Immigration Minister John McCallum introduced a new bill. A bill that will see individuals like Zakaria Amara, a ringleader of the Al-Qaeda-inspired Toronto 18, convicted of plotting terrorist acts against Canada. Well, his Canadian citizenship will be reinstalled. The Trudeau Liberals have also announced they'll drop citizenship revocation proceedings against nine other convicted terrorists who are dual citizens. They've got nothing to worry about anymore. Joining us to talk about this is a senior research affiliate at the Canadian Network for Research on Terrorism, Security and Society, a research fellow at the Center for Military and Strategic Studies, and a political scientist at the University of Calgary, Dr. Michael Zakulin. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. My pleasure. Uh, Right off the bat, your thoughts on the announcement made, the bill introduced by Immigration Minister John McCallum? Well, I, I don't think, as you mentioned in your introduction, I don't think that it's any surprise. This was something that they had mentioned that they were they were going to do, and, and they made it clear under the under the conditions that they believe uh, you know a Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian, and that they did not want to uh, at least give the impression that there was a, a sliding scale or, or different types of citizenship. So, no, we're not very surprised at this at all. Is this bad for the rest of Canada? Is is this bad news for Canadians? Well, I, I mean, we should probably make something very clear uh, uh, off the top. And the fact is, is that uh, while the Harper government implemented this measure and passed this law, uh, there's two things. The first is, is that it, it does not become enforceable uh, until the individuals have actually uh, finished serving their time. So in the case of Zachariah Amara, who's in jail for a very, very long time, um, proceedings against that individual to actually, you know, revoke and sort of, and, and sort of deport him would be, you know, very, very, very long off in the future. Uh, and the second point is while the government, of course, creates the law, uh, we have to recognize that this would definitely have been uh, probably appealed uh, under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms as to whether or not the, UK, the government actually has the power to do this. So just because the government passed the law, uh, we don't know if it actually would have been able to take effect and whether they would have actually been able to do this. Interesting. Now, some are saying that there's some inconsistency here because the Liberals have stated that they have no objection to continuing to revoke citizenship of anybody who lies to obtain it. In other words, not every Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian. Do you perceive that to be an inconsistency? Well, some might view that as an inconsistency. I guess the analogy that you would sort of bring up would be the equivalent of if you're sort of signing a contract. So in the case, this would be coming to Canada. Uh, if you lie and misrepresent yourself, uh, then in that context, that, that sort of, you know, that contract or when you were allowed into the country 
um, or granted your citizenship in the first place, that can be sort of revoked. Uh, so the difference is whether or not you misrepresent or lie sort of at the beginning of this process versus somebody who, who sort of follows the, the letter of the law and then basically, you know, chooses to take, undertake certain things such as terrorism where then you're going to try and revoke their citizenship. Now, this is just relevant for those that would uh, be carrying dual citizenship, correct? For, correct? for someone that was born in Canada that exclusively has Canadian citizenship, regardless of action, accusation, or even conviction, citizenship is set in stone, correct? Correct. Now, do you think that this creates the idea that there are two classes of Canadians? I mean, why is this a priority for the Prime Minister through your eyes? Well, again, I'm not. I can't speak to the sort of the political sort of um, the direction of why they're doing this. They're living up to sort of a promise that they made during the campaign. Uh, it, it, again, I think what the concern has always been, or, or the point that is being raised, and again, people are free to agree or disagree with it based on their own opinions, is the fact that there that you are a creating a sort of a slippery slope. So, in this context, if you're talking about taking away citizenship from people for reason X or reason Y, that at what point do you start sort of expanding that? Is it a sort of a slippery slope towards, you know, increasing options to sort of take away the citizenship? And then the second one, of course, would be the fact that when you're talking about individuals who have citizenship, uh, and then based on sort of decisions that they are making, whether or not you are simply able to sort of, you know, incur that type of punishment on somebody. Mm. Dr. Michael Zakulin is our guest. You're an expert on terrorism, security, and society. What sort of a message, if any, does this send about Canada to the international community? Well, again, we've seen various countries sort of in the Western democratic world. And remember, this is something we're dealing with in terms of these Islamist-inspired individuals. That is sort of not just a Canadian problem, but it's a problem that we're seeing across most of sort of the, the you know the Western developed world. So of course we know what happens in Paris and in the United States and and other countries such as this. So this is a larger problem for everybody, and this is something that lots and lots of countries are wrestling with. And different countries are taking different approaches in terms of how they're dealing with this. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the specifics of each country. Meaning you can't simply say, well, this is what France has done or this is what Belgium has done. So let's do this in Canada. You can't do that because each country has their own sort of unique characteristics and their own history and their own sort of social and economic conditions and things like this. But this is something that everybody's wrestling with, and I don't think anybody at this point has necessarily found that perfect thing. And so basically what we're doing is we're sort of watching what other countries are doing. We're trying to implement certain parts of it that are applicable here. But this decision about whether or not you're going to revoke citizenship, uh, again, to sort of put it in the context of some other things, uh, what do you do with individuals returning home from places like Syria and Iraq? Do you arrest them when they get off the plane? Do you try to reintegrate them? So there's lots of different sort of countries that are trying lots and lots of different things. And so there, nobody has the answer to this. So I don't think that the international community is necessarily looking at Canada and saying, well, this is a great thing. At the same time, I don't think anybody's looking at it and saying, well, this is a terrible thing either.
Mm. You know, it, it's interesting because we talk about different stories, whether it's the liberal government's take on dual citizens or whether it's Apple's battle against the FBI and, and people say, oh, you know, well, if Apple says no to the FBI on creating this new operating system or allowing for this backdoor, then terrorists are going to start using Apple devices. Or if they say yes, the general, you know, Apple's stock price will plummet because they'll be seen as, as, as pro-Al-Qaeda or pro-Islamic State or, or whatever the case may be. Do you get the sense that international reputations can be forged by decisions like this? Or would you fall back on what you just told us, that people are too busy minding their own backyard? Uh, I would argue at this point that people are are very much interested in minding their own backyard. Uh, This is one of the challenges that we face in terms of dealing with terrorism and dealing with these individuals who travel and move from one place to another, is the fact that it requires a coordinated effort at the international level. So, you know, every country has different laws, every country has different approaches, every country has a different solution. And the bottom line is that what you're doing is, is it's making it increasingly difficult to sort of deal with this global phenomenon. And that's what it is. You have people going from all over the world to these sort of jihadi hotspots and fighting, uh, and then they have the opportunity to go to different places. That's simply the reality of the world we live in. So while everybody is, is you know, minding their own sort of, uh, you know, their own challenges and dealing with it in their own way, what we do require is we require some type of international framework to deal with this. But of course, uh, you know, moving into sort of an international relations or a world politics perspective, we know how difficult it is to get any kind of cooperation or coordination on anything. And all you have to do to sort of understand that is look at what we should be doing in Syria politically, where you have different governments and different groups all saying we need to do different this, we need to do it this way. And basically this thing has been allowed to sort of continue for years and years while we're trying to figure out what to do about it. Well, and I mean, you asked the simple question when it, when it comes to international consensus, who would draft it? <laughs> the conversation could stop right there for a lot of people. No, exactly. It's a question of, you know, different people see this differently. We need to be harder on this front. No, we need to sort of integrate more of these types of approaches. And so basically, how we understand and deal with the problem um, is, going to, is going to, of course, uh, you know, set the solutions moving forward. And we, and we have a very difficult time in coming to any consensus on any of these things. Yeah, Dr. Michael Zakulin, our guest. Uh, doctor, in closing, all in, all things considered, approximately four months into its mandate, how is the Liberal government doing on the foreign relations and national security fronts, according to your estimation? Well, I would have to give it an incomplete at this point, and the reason is is that there's still lots of things going on. So what are we talking about here? Well, they've changed Canada's contribution to the, you know, the coalition fighting against ISIS. Now, there's no way to know whether or not that's going to, again, be an effective thing or an ineffective thing. It's too early to say. Uh, this movement towards um, you know, taking away the approaches of the Conservative government in terms of dual citizenship, um, again, I would give that an incomplete based on the fact that we never knew if this had legs to begin with, whether the government would be able to do this or not. Uh, and then the one positive I will talk about in terms of the Liberal government, although they have yet to implement it, is we're finally starting to see discussions about this office of sort of counter-radicalization, to start talking about how we start to challenge the ideas that are being espoused by these groups. So basically, they're talking about it. Other governments have as well. The question is, are we actually going to see any tangible movement or anything real uh, on this issue? So at this point, we seem to be sort of moving forward 
So I would say cautiously optimistic, but at the same time, if nothing comes from these things or nothing positive comes from these things, then we're back to the same place we've been for the last couple of years. Dr. Michael Zakulin, thanks for your time on this Monday morning. My pleasure. Always good to hear from you. Dr. Michael Zakulin, as mentioned, uh, among other involvements, a political scientist at the University of Calgary. Uh, Trevor, on the text line to 630-630, says, why even ask people to take an oath of citizenship? It says, you know, when people enter under false pretenses or with the goal of doing harm, I believe they've lost their rights as a Canadian. Brian says, uh, (laughs) okay, well, yeah, okay, I'll read it. Says, uh, Trudeau's an idiot. Why the hell would you give back citizenship to terrorists? Why don't we just open all doors to terrorists and say, come on in, because, you know, we won't do anything to you. He says he's making a mockery of Canada in the world's eye, and they're laughing at us. Brian has no doubt. Says he pulls the jets out, gives the terrorists citizenship. What's next? Disband the military? Says I'm starting to become embarrassed to be Canadian. Maybe we should make laws that make it so all politicians must serve in the military before entering politics and making national defense decisions. Says maybe they'll make the right decisions then. Brian goes on to say, P.S. Justin, some promises must be broken and this is one of them. Listener out of Lloyd Minster says, how pathetic. We let the terrorists go back home at their convenience, commit atrocities against their own people or innocent tourists or medical aides or whatever. That's a Cotter reference. And then we want to integrate them back into Canada? Unfrickin' real. Only with a liberal government, says this listener. Bill says Canada's back. Bill's back, by the way. I haven't heard from you for a while. He says, in the business of supporting murdering Islamo-fascists, at least while Selfie the Clown and the Liebs are in charge, got to protect that voting block. There is, there is literally, there is literally not one message in support of this bill on the text line this morning. And that's, there's not like three messages. There's plenty of messages. There's not, there's literally not one in support. And I'm not piling on. I'd love to hear from you. If you think it's the right call, I'd love to hear from you. would love to hear from the other side. Listener says here the government can and does withdraw citizenship. Yeah. And that's where some are saying an inconsistency lies. For example, the liberals have said, yeah, if you lie to get citizenship, you lose it. So I guess not every Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian, right? Not everyone. I mean, it sure sounds definitive to me. But it doesn't look that way. So why is this one so important? We'll get to more of your takes after these headlines. Here's an interesting take from Rod, who's listening in out of Calgary this morning. Good morning to you, Rod, and thanks for tuning in. We're talking about Justin Trudeau, his Liberal Party, uh, perhaps more specifically John McCallum, Canada's Immigration Minister, When the House of Commons resumed a session on Thursday, a bill introduced will essentially reverse legislation that was just introduced last year by the Conservatives that says essentially, and here's how we can boil it down to one sentence, if you're a dual citizen, so if if you're a Canadian citizen and you hold citizenship somewhere else and you're found guilty of a terrorist offense... 
or if there are if there are uh, you know convictions relating to a threat against Canada or another nation, if you would be deemed as a threat against Canada or Canadians, you could lose the Canadian half of your dual citizenship. The liberals say no more. A Canadian is a Canadian is a Canadian was Justin Trudeau's famous barb shot back at then Prime Minister Stephen Harper on the campaign trail. You remember that? The new bill also reduces the time that immigrants must spend in Canada before they can apply for citizenship. It eases language requirements for new arrivals as well. And we can talk about that in just a moment. You can't sort of, I mean, it is just one bill, so I suppose technically you can just wrap it all up into one conversation. But there are different elements of this. Perhaps there is some wisdom in some elements of the bill. But an interesting take is mentioned from Rado to Calgary, who simply says, no dual citizenship allowed, period. In other words, choose Canada or not at all. Hmm. What about those that claim dual citizenship holding Canadian and American passports? I'm not sure they'd be down with that ultimatum. (laughs) Quite frankly, to be 100% honest with you, if I had dual citizenship with an American passport as well, I'm not sure I'd like that rule either. For a lot of people, there would be job implications, there would be trade implications. I mean, yes. We'll take your point though, Rod. But for someone that say born in Saudi Arabia or born in Iran or born in Pakistan that's secured Canadian citizenship, then let's say flown to Syria and trained with Islamic State and come back and, and they've been all over CSIS radar or RCMP radar or, or Toronto or Edmonton or Vancouver police radar, they've been found guilty of plotting attacks against Canada or they've been arrested for plotting against Canada or another, whatever the case may be. In other words, you know what I'm getting at. I mean, I, you know, I, we tread carefully in these types of conversations. You get my point, though. You know, if Buddy's been networking with, with terrorist cells, if they've been buying, uh, you know, supplies to build bombs, if they have plans in place and blueprints of a museum and they've got exits circled and they've been, you get what I'm getting at. Is your number one argument to protect their Canadian citizenship or not? Jason says, so far it seems like everything this government does is geared toward making us more vulnerable to terrorism. Even as an immigrant myself, says Jason, I'm still in favor of stripping citizenship from fellow immigrants who endanger this country. What's so wrong with that? I don't know if there's anything wrong with that. I mean, and, and here's one of those things, too, and we tried valiantly last week to, to have this politically correct roundtable, and, you know, quite frankly, it kind of flopped. We'll try things on the radio all the time. They're not always going to be home runs. But ironically, all three guests on the political correctness panel were a little too politically correct to get anywhere in the conversation. Did you notice that? And so now some of you may be fearing that you'll be branded a xenophobe or a racist if you speak out against this policy. I don't think so. I think this is one where it seems to, to a certain degree, at least in my estimation, defy common sense. I don't believe that 
necessarily speaking, Canadian citizenship secured through a process, not by birth, is an inherent right no matter what. If you think I'm wrong, give us a shout. 780-496-0063. You can text in to 630-630. Shane says, piece by piece, this Prime Minister is destroying Canada's credibility on the world stage. This has to stop. White Ram says everything the Liberals are doing has to do with securing votes from new immigrants. Lyle says, is there not someone in Ottawa that can knock on the PM's head and say hello? Daily Dell, your thoughts on this? Oh, this is what you get when you elect an immature man-child. <laughs> but it's Lord. not just him. Well, you know what? Another part of that bill you didn't mention is that there's no more requirement to say you're going to live in Canada if you get your citizenship. So, let's see. I'm, I'm in the Middle East. I'm of the persuasion that likes to blow stuff up in the name of Allah. I go to Canada. I get my citizenship after I stay here for a shorter period of time now. And I can go back to my homeland and do whatever I like for the next 40 years because I don't, I'm not required to even come back to Canada. But I've got my citizenship. And no matter what I do overseas... I will always be a Canadian citizen now. Mm. The Citizenship Act, just to clarify, Dell, it currently requires applicants to be physically present in Canada for four out of six years leading up to the application for citizenship. The new bill would reduce that to being present in Canada for three out of five years prior to the application. That's prior to the application, and after there's a requirement you have to stay in Canada for a certain amount of time. They've negated that completely. Hmm. I'm not sure, you you know what, I I don't know too much about that, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, Because when we talk specifically in the context of going to train with Islamic State in Syria, it's one thing. But what happens if somebody secures Canadian citizens just fine, but, you know, they've married somebody that lives in New Zealand, and they're, I mean, I'm not sure I have a problem with that. Why would we? Well, the thing is, though, is it used to be a requirement. You had to go back to Canada every so often and stay here. Oh, I see. To maintain and then go back to wherever you want. That requirement's gone. Hmm. So if Buddy wants to take off for the next 40 years and do whatever he likes, there's no requirement for him to come back to Canada. So is he really a Canadian citizen? Well, and, and is that less of a concern, though? I mean, is, is it less of a concern if, if these individuals in question are gone or, you know, 15,000 kilometers from here? Does that even matter? The one thing your expert didn't mention, because when I did counterterrorism, the number one passport on this planet terrorists wanted was a Canadian passport. Because we have the least hassle traveling around the globe, plus we're a Commonwealth nation, and we have very little problems getting into Commonwealth countries. Hmm. So, yeah, our passports are really well-liked around the globe, especially if you want to go blow stuff up in the name of whatever. Oh, boy. See, I hope that we're not starting to get this reputation. I mean, I'm listen, you know me, Dell. I try to be pretty open-minded. I try to sit and occupy center territory. But in this one, I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer, and it just makes Canadians look like we get walked on. It makes us look like doormats to a certain extent, well, is it not? Well, it does. And like I said, back in the 90s, They wanted Canadian passports. And one of the things that other governments, the reason we had such free access and travel and very little issues, was that we were so stringent on who got our passports. A lot of times they would pull these guys in in uh, Palestine and in Lebanon that would be wrapped up, uh, grabbed in a terrorist raid, and they'd find out they had counterfeit Canadian passports. But the way we maintained our passport system, it was almost impossible to do a good counterfeit. Mm. But now, 
there's not going to be any requirement for these guys to even stay in Canada. I have, a, I have an issue with that. And dual right. citizenship you were talking about with the U.S. I have friends that had dual citizenship. When you turn 18, you have to decide which you are. No, that's they not true. No, I've got I've friends, friends working in the States right now that are dual citizens, and they will be until the day they die. If they have a green card, sure. If, they were, if they're what's considered uh, a natural born, they could carry it. But if, say, your parent moved to Canada, married your mother, had kids here, the child will carry dual citizenship until the age of 18. Then at the age of 18, that child has to determine uh, whether he's a U.S. Or I'm not sure about citizen. that. I'll have to research it. Anyway, i got to fit in a break. It's good to hear your voice, Del. Thanks. You have a good day. Take care. Yeah, you as well. You can text us to 630-630. We'll fit in a quick break. Be right back with more of your comments on this. On the text line, David says, uh, yeah, you're right on the dual citizenship, Canada and the States. He says, no requirement to choose anymore. Farm Boy says, no requirement to stay. How much money did we spend taking Canadians out of Lebanon who hadn't been here for years? Some of you are suspicious of Dell's credentials, by the way. Dell, this is why you need a Twitter account. You, you, could, you could tweet out your government ID from your years working counterterrorism, and you could stop all the questions. We should see if at Daily Dell is available as a Twitter account. Dell says, if you, if you, if you missed it last week, late last week, says he, he said Twitter's shutting down conservatives. That's why he won't go on Twitter. Listener here, here it is, the first one of the day. On the text line, I support the bill. I support the liberal bill. Says I was just too busy driving and working. Sorry I couldn't argue the other side for you, Ryan. No worries. Thanks for chiming in at least. I'm sure there are those out there that believe it's the right call. I'm just not one of them. That's fine. Ron says, I feel this is just a way to secure votes for the next election. Says, I feel that if you, you know, threaten this great country of ours, you know, you get your day in court. And if you're found guilty... You should go straight from the courthouse to the airport with a one-way ticket. That from Ron. Dan says, what should we expect when the, oh, when the prime minister we have is a kindergarten teacher? He wasn't a kindergarten teacher, was he? Drama teacher. And I hate crack. Why are we cracking on drama teachers? Can we get past that? Can we move past that? I mean, isn't that better than some career politicians who have done nothing but politic their whole lives? Regardless, I'll continue. Dan says, a kindergarten teacher with nice hair who loves to broadcast selfies and guest star on daytime talk shows. The next smart move that either the federal or provincial governments make will be their first. Dan says, in their eyes, terrorism and extremists are American problems. What an absolute embarrassment. Bill out of Stetler says, I think this will have bad implications on the world stage with our allies, especially with the U.S., he says they already thought our government was way too slack on immigration. That from Bill. I asked this question rhetorically. I already know the answer. Anybody else paying attention to what's going on with Donald Trump down in the States? Anybody else paying attention? Folks, we are miles past joke status. Donald Trump quite likely will be the Republican nominee for president. Can you imagine these two best friends, Canada and the United States? Can you imagine the relationship with Prime Minister Justin Trudeau and, let me try to say it, President Donald Trump? 
Gina, I've got to get some Listerine. We'll be right back. We're talking about John McCallum's bill. Technically, it's the Liberal government's bill introduced on Thursday in the House of Commons that'll essentially reverse legislation introduced by the Harper Conservatives that strips dual citizens of their Canadian citizenship upon conviction of terrorist activity. Brian calling in to 780-496-0063. Good Monday morning to you, Brian. Hello, Ryan. What's on your mind? Um, I'm going to take a chance here and not be politically correct. <laughs> I don't know if I should because I'm a little scared. But what Well, was, Brian, oh, give us like 8 out of 10. What's that? G- give us like 8 out of 10 on the politically incorrect spectrum. Okay, I'll give you 8 out of 10. Um, Israel is one of the most secure countries because they have to be in the world. And they actually do racial profiling. And, you know, heaven forbid that we actually did did that, um, it would save literally, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to taxpayers in Canada, and, and it would make us much safer. Um, but because we are so politically correct, you know, we, you know, we would never, ever think to, uh, you know, even, even check twice people that come here from certain countries that are, you know, that may not have the best intentions. And, um, you know, in, in history, when you go back to, you go back to uh, Germany, Japan, um, you know, prime ministers and presidents did things to protect their, their country and, and the people. And we've gone away from that. And I, I'm just a little concerned about what's, what the future of Canada is because of this. Thanks for calling in, Brian. Appreciate it. On the text line to 630-630, Stephen says, yeah, I don't like Donald Trump, but Trudeau's a bigger clown. Joel says even the entire bottle of mouthwash won't help you, Jesperson. Not from Joel. Julie says that's a good show topic for you. Imagine a world where Donald Trump is president of the United States. Mark, meantime, out of camera, says Daily Dell. No, no idea what he's talking about. There never was a residency obligation for Canadian citizens. He says that's why everyone was upset with all the Lebanese that demanded repatriation during the last conflict there in in 07, and everyone called them citizens of convenience. That from Mark. You know, some of you say, why do you bring Dell on all the time? You wouldn't believe the reaction that Dell... It's incredible. It's incredible. Half of you just can't stand him, and he knows that. He's got thick skin. He doesn't mind me pointing that out. As a matter of fact, you might take it as a compliment. The other half of you, when last week, when I told Dell, when I wondered when he'd seek office, we, okay, there, our, our, our text screen here, our ticker, our text ticker shows 50 text messages per page, okay? There was a full page of text messages from people saying they'd vote for Dell. The guy's created a little army here on 630 Chet. Bill, what do you have to say? Um, well, the pendulum swings one way, and then it swings back the other, right? Yeah, I guess. And, you know, when, when we look, say, at, uh, you know, the, the low-information types that voted Part 2 in, um, I guess they're going to get what they deserve the next time they go across the border if Trump does make it as president. And I think he probably has a... I, I like Cruz better myself. But let's face it, he's running against a commie and a criminal. So I, I don't think Hillary's got much of a chance. She should be in jail, actually. But Why do you, you think? Know. The emails or Abu Gra- or uh, Benghazi oh. or why? Benghazi, the emails, 
Let's see. Oh, she's got a whole list of stuff going back for years and years. We could probably even tie her to, through her husband to the tainted blood scandal, right? That's <laughs> yeah. well, true, right? Oh, yeah, there was two prime ministers that were tied to that. Anyways, I digress. But uh, the thing is, is definitely when you look at, say, what Part 1 did to this country, I think his kid's going to try to beat him as the worst prime minister of Canada. Hmm. It's nice to hear your voice again, Bill. It's been a while. Well, they keep me locked up in the mornings. I don't get a chance to... <laughs> Do you have a radio in there, at least, in lockup? Well, no, I'm in class. <laughs> oh, well, you got the day off today? Yeah, I got a couple of days off, and then no break until summer. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for tuning in. Oh, no worries. Always a pleasure. On the text line, some interesting takes here. Al in Edmonton says, Justin, we get along with the President Trump as well as his old man, got along with President Nixon. Cabo Ken chiming in, says, uh, I was born in Germany. I had to decide on my citizenship at age 18. Will in Blue Quill says, Trudeau's restoring Canadian citizenship solely out of spite. The same reason he removed our air support from the coalition. A petulant reaction to Harper. Nothing deeper than that. (laughs) Says, I can't wait for Trump to spank Trudeau's smarmy that from Will and Blue Quill. Yeah, come on though. We don't really think we don't really think this is Justin Trudeau just trying to be the opposite of Stephen Harper anymore, do we? What is what does Justin Trudeau have to sweat Stephen Harper for anymore? With all due respect to the it's Stephen Who now. Trudeau's got a liberal majority. He doesn't there's got to be something deeper than that, folks. At least I hope. News headlines coming right up.